Hello everyone, welcome to Then, Now, Whatever, the Wrestling Podcast, Episode 7, The Force Awakens. I'm your host, the man with no moniker, Duncan Joyce. I'm joined as ever by the Kylo Ren to Triple H's Lord Vader, it's Mr. Kyle Canberry. Hello and welcome. How's it been, Kyle? Good Christmas? Yeah, very good Christmas, yeah. Just relaxing, spending time with family, as you do. Have a good New Year as well. Yeah, same, miss, end of things. I had my Viva before Christmas as well for my PhD, got that out of the way. Yep. In between doing that, been binge-watching some uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin Broken School Challenge. They're brilliant. I like the whole format of the episode. You wouldn't put Stone Cold in that situation, you know, watching him on wrestling. But yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's really good, really good format and really good series. I, I just can't stop doing, <laughs> quoting stuff from it. Where's the busters? <laughs> Oh, it is! He is, he's just like a little bounding kid when the, when the car's like, WINNER! <laughs> Last episode seemed to spread about pretty quickly from the looks of it. Yeah, Got to say a big thank you to the WCW Worldwide Twitter account and of course our friends Casey, Mark and of course the Roy's Nitro podcast. As we alluded to a couple of episodes ago, we were at the World of Sport taping, which aired on New Year's Eve British wrestling on British television again strange yeah strange monumental yeah I mean it, it's good to, to finally have it back you know growing up just having WWE to watch or WCW on 5 or you know up on 4 or whatever it was on it's good to have it back as far as I was aware the original world of sport that ran all day didn't it or, or pretty much most of the day whereas now it's just you know a two hour format if it does come back. I've got it right here, ah. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, World of Sport. When it initially started out, it was basically just like ITV's version of Grandstand. So it's a, a sporting magazine show where they'd basically be based in a studio, give you news, and then they cut to live events of other sports. So there's all sorts of stuff on it. It was like women's hockey, horse racing, equestrian events, snooker in its later days as well. But most people probably hear that name and think of professional wrestling in the afternoons on Saturdays. The popularity of wrestling on ITV was such that World of Sport, the magazine show, was actually cancelled in 1985, but they didn't stop showing British wrestling until 1988. Wow. It was Greg Dyke that pulled the plug in December of that year. Between 92 and 95, ITV actually had the rights to broadcast WCW worldwide. And some regions showed it in that Saturday afternoon slot that World of Sport was on. Still, there was no British wrestling on mainstream TV. I was hearing there was apparently this brief World of Sport revival on BBC Three with Johnny Vaughan. I'm not too sure. I don't remember it at all either. Yeah, some promotion got a wee bit of airtime through that as well and of course we had in 2005 the monumental disaster that was celebrity wrestling yeah oh wow we'll glide over that i don't think we need to go into any detail with that <laughs> ninja warrior was on after world of sport just yeah. watch that you'll have more of an idea of what celebrity wrestling was like <laughs> than watching world of sport really in the last five or maybe seven years or so, the independent scene here in the UK has really, really been on the upward swing. And I guess ITV just thought, why not give this another go? 
Kyle, what's been your sort of awareness of what the UK wrestling scene's been about as of late? Really, it's been progress. Hearing about progress, obviously you've been to a few progress shows. Yeah. I've still yet to attend one. I intend to in the future. And that's kind of been my insert into British wrestling. I knew British wrestling was big back in the day because obviously my dad used to watch the original World of Sport and so he would tell me about the British wrestling that was on telly and it was about everywhere. But yeah, since then it's it's just been independence that kind of I've heard about. I've not really been to any independent shows because kind of my main focus was watching WWE. Progress was my sort of gateway into it really. Mid-2014, they posted one of their shows in its entirety for free on YouTube because one of their main cameras bust and they weren't happy with putting it out on Mm. DVD, whatever. That was a belting show. It was really mind-opening stuff. I think I might have seen that one. Is that the one with Finn Balor? Yeah, yeah, and he wrestles Zack Sabre Jr. As the Joker? Yes, yeah. Yes. Um, He's on his little farewell tour before he joined the WWE. While I was off after my operation, one of my friends sent it to me and said, here you go, watch this while you're uh, you're recuperating. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was very good. Yeah, I've been... I missed the first show in Manchester, but since the second show, I've been going to see them in Manchester. I've been trying to look into a few other places. Fight Club Pro, a promotion based around Wolverhampton, they're doing a tour in Easter. And Pentagon Jr. from Lucha Underground is going to be on it. Wow. That'll be good. My other main avenue of exposure to the British scene actually came through the second season of Teenage British Boot Camp. Yeah. So the first season, it was literally just the Blossom Twins, Marty Skrull and Spud. That was it. This one's a lot more sort of X-Factor-ish. So they go to different locations in the UK and they'd find loads of wrestlers there. Yeah. And Tons and tons of people were on that show. It's like Dave Mastiff, El Ligero, Marty Stone, the late, great Chris Travis. No, I'm dar! <laughs> another, I was so addicted to the way Jeremy Borash <laughs> pronounced people's <laughs> names. He's like, Richard Parliament! It's like the uh, X Factor announcer. Rachel Adadeji! <laughs> <laughs> Double the discount! Yeah, your man Grado was in that as well. And Nikki yeah. Storm, now in NXT. Yeah. Insanity? In, no, in, in... They're just called Sanity, aren't they? Yeah. Right, okay, yeah. The eventual winner was Mark Andrews, still wrestling for progress. Didn't really get used to his full potential in TNA, which I think was the start of maybe... Yeah. ...the British fans going off TNA a wee bit, in my view. I think any sort of format like that, they don't really get the push that they want it's the same with Tough Enough there was rarely someone who lasted a long time that was in Tough Enough you know it's the the usual case of the winner doesn't get far but the runner ups get further because there's quite a lot of people who are on Tough Enough that have lasted a long time compared to your mavens or you know I think that that was kind of broad in Tough Enough the TNA boot camp that was kind of how it was really, wasn't it? Mm. For me, t- the TNA situation is a lot worse because these are all ready-made yeah, yeah. stars and wrestlers and yeah. there's no squander them. But yeah, like you say, look at the last, most recent series of Tough Enough there. Uh, yeah. You've got 
Amanda Rose, you got Daria, and you got Patrick Clark all in NXT. And the winners haven't really gone anywhere. I think the female winner, which one's Blake and which one's Murphy now? One looks like Robbie Savage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one's which. No, me neither. Well, the, the one that's not with Alexa Bliss yeah. is with the female Tough Enough winner, and she's actually pregnant with his child. Ah. Congratulations. Yeah. So it looks like she's found some happiness yeah. through wrestling, even though it's not you know, in the in the ring and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, back to wrestling on ITV. This show, although it aired on New Year's Eve, it was actually taped on the 1st of November last year. We got to go. Yeah. Heard about it on Twitter. Good old El Ligero sent a tweet out, quote my name as a password and you'll get priority tickets and... It's a good thing we did, because the queues were horrendous. Yeah. They boxed us in. It yeah, was... we were waiting for ages, weren't yeah. we? I've not been to an event at the, the new Media City. They were good with what they did. I mean, we, we could have maybe used some more information while we was waiting, because we kind of didn't know where we were going or what we were doing. But it was, you know, to start it off and get us in there and get us hyped, it, it was all right. Mm. So like you say, it was filmed in... One of ITV's Media City Studios. <laughs> I was looking at all the adverts for Ninja Warrior on in between. The, the seating arrangements looked pretty similar. I yeah. wondered if it was the same studio. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, we actually had an extra MC in the arena with us. Sort of like gearing us up as more like cast members and stuff and yeah. telling us what's going on with the show, what segments are coming up. It's a Cockney guy. He kind of seemed to be relatively up to speed on current wrestling as well, given the way he responded to people's chants and things. Yeah, he was quite cool. What was one of the responses that he gave? Something about, I don't drive that bus. <laughs> he was going around saying, who wants to sign Jerry Lawler picture? Mm-hmm. And some guy in the crowd said, I'll trade my girlfriend for the picture. And he said, well, I don't drive that bus. So. Oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> he had a few good one-liners. Yeah. There was a lot of encouraging us to cheer and stuff. There was sweets for the sound that cheered the loudest. There was signed photos of Jim Ross and alcohol as well for the adults in the audience. Yeah. We were told that for legal reasons, the crowd couldn't go, one fall after the announcer goes, goes it. It turns out the announcer from ICW has VIP to that. So... It's not like we'd sue you for libel and stuff. It's just they'd have to pay him and they're too cheap. Yeah. Although, as a British audience, we still did the one for. Oh, yeah, that was... I got shouted at. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, other than that, our general direction was boo the bad guys and cheer the good guys and have fun. Yeah. And we did. We did, yeah. We got foam fingers. Foam fingers, Yeah. yeah. Before it all started and getting us all sat down and getting us hyped up, you know, it was good. There was a sense of, this is going to be good. Yeah. Good set up. Yeah, yeah. Good old um, ramp video streams as well. Yeah. Just like in NXT, as instigated by... What a guy. (laughs) Sorry, we we got slagged for not having enough Triple H in in the previous episode, so... We're going into Triple H Overdrive here. <laughs> Did you just watch this on catch-up or...? Yeah, I had to record it because I couldn't watch it from the beginning because I was at the match. Getting in from Wanderers, yeah. Yeah. 
I missed the first half an hour when I went back and went back and watched it. it. Uh, the continuity announcer on ITV actually made a rock joke. Really? Yeah, he's like, "If you smell, can you smell what we're cooking?" <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> uh, so on with the show. This was screened at 5pm in the afternoon, so there's a disclaimer saying everyone's professionals and things like that. And then we cut into a video that was the same as the advert they used to promote the show. as a sizzle reel of famous moments from the old world of sport and some of the famous faces from that. And also some snippets of tonight's matches as well, which I thought was a bit spoilerish. Yeah. Yeah, there, there was a few things in that opening package that I wouldn't have wanted to tweet about but then they go and show it right at the beginning that's their decision you've got this thing about how you prefer live wrestling shows to pre-recorded wrestling shows I'm guessing you're not a fan of this kind of stuff no not really if it's formatted correctly I still enjoy it I Mm. mean there were episodes that I of Smackdown that I used to enjoy that you know when it used to be pre-recorded it's just, I wouldn't get a sense of, oh, what's going to happen next, that I do watching Raw or watching 205 Live and watching SmackDown now that it is live. Mm. You know, watching it, you kind of think, right, I don't actually know what's going to happen. I kind of feel more invested in it. Same with the pay-per-views, watching the pay-per-views, you don't know what's going to happen. I think that's my only flaw with pre-taped. But it was a little different with World of Sport just because we were in the audience, so we, we watched it live anyway. For me, what did it was so like before each commercial break, they go all oh, coming up next and show clips of the upcoming match. Yeah, it kind of takes you out of it a bit because there's presentation of it early on. It's like, oh, what what a wonderful historic night this is and stuff like that. As if you know, it's, it's ongoing. You've you're there already and you know it's it's as it is. And then yeah. it's like, oh, no, this is in can already. Let's show you what's coming up. Hmm. Our commentary team tonight. Uh, Alex Shane, a former British heavyweight champion for Frontier Wrestling Alliance, and Jim Ross. Legend. Jim Ross on a British wrestling show. It was so strange to see him. Mm. I don't know, he just, he had a, a swagger about him. There was one time he got one of the staff attendants over and talking about what's going on and I think he needed the volume in his headset turned out. It's like, the crowd are popping, we can't hear a damn thing! <laughs> Really surreal. They introduce us to another pretty spoilery sizzle reel of moments from a show, welcoming us to the new era. Gimmick infringement right there. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about the set earlier. Uh, what do you think about the, the look of the show in general? Before you watched World of Sport, if you already watched the likes of WCW, WWE, TNA you were going to be highly disappointed because it's not on that scale of there's a massive stage, there's a massive you know, ramp. But if you go in with an open mind and you, it had the feel of British independent, you know, one basic stage, and they didn't go overboard. It was minimal worked. Yeah, it was good. And the ring announcer table just had, you know, the one backing board on it. And it worked. So the, the image quality of the show was really, really good. It looked really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite a neat setup. I thought. A little bit game showy at times, especially the little theme tunes things and things like that. Yeah. Still, I'm pretty pleased with it. 
when people came up, <laughs> it, it was quite funny at times. Because they still had like trons telling you who's turning up. So their name would come up and they just have these like like little clips of them. Like you know when on the old WWF stuff, early two thousands, where they you see them on screen and they're doing a little jig or something, <laughs> or they look at a camera being really intense. Our opening contest, straight out of the blocks, is for the World of Sport Championship. It sees Grado taking on Dave Mastiff. And Dave Mastiff is accompanied by the East End Butcher, Shah Samuels, and Johnny Moss. Commentary informed us that they had a special championship committee to establish who the two top contenders were, and they picked these two lads. And there's lots of talk about Grado's already got this international notoriety, and... JR actually name drops TNA on air. Grado's involvement in all this was pretty interesting at the time when it was all announced because people were wondering, well, hang on, doesn't this conflict with his TNA deal? You know, you'd think they don't want him to be on another broadcaster's show. But then it turns out that Challenge didn't renew TNA. So it was all grand anyway. Yeah. Yeah, Grado, in TNA, he was booked as a bit of a joke, really, comedy lower card guy but over here in Britain he's actually a relatively big star and he was in Panto this year Um, he did a one man stand up show as well I think he's got it's the daily record he's got a weekly column in as well and he does a bit of acting for BBC Scotland as well he's in this police comedy called Scott Squad and the local soap opera River City as well most notably, as part of the ICW promotion. On commentary, play up his... He's kind of like our equivalent to Big Daddy now. Yeah. He grabs the microphone and he can't believe being here and it's the greatest moment of his life and he's going to make history. And then he's interrupted by Dave Mastiff and his posse. And I pissed myself seeing the get-up that Mastiff was in here. I've never seen... Dave Mastiff before and I, I said to you when he came out I was like what the <laughs> who is this guy yeah I think they could have picked a better, uh, better get up for him he had these like proper Mad Max rustic <laughs> cyberpunk shoulder pad things <laughs> oh my lord <laughs> yeah Dave Mastiff is a really really big dude Probably most famous for working in Progress, IPW UK, Fight Club Pro, amongst loads of others. The two cronies with him, Shah Samuels, again, who's another lad on TNA British Bootcamp Season 2, and probably know him best from his ICW work. Johnny Moss is a sort of a veteran, he's about 36, I think. Featured in various promotions like Preston City Wrestling. Later on in the night on commentary, they actually revealed he trained Finn Balor and Zack Sabre Jr. Wow. I'm surprised they were allowed to say Finn Balor on it. I wonder if they've had to get special permission. I suppose if it's... The world of sports pretty much the highlights of the independence. So Finn was quite popular in, in the independence. So maybe they they have one wild card say. And they, they've used Finn. That. Mm. I don't know. Although JR continually compares Grado to Dusty Rhodes as well. Do mm. so you think Vince would be like, mm. <laughs> Those are my names, damn it! <laughs> Pay up! 
Yeah, maybe JR didn't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> All the wage just was like, right, well, this has got to go to Vince. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Mastiff tells Grado, shut your filthy gob. I am going to make history. It's like Wade Barrett. <laughs> <laughs> He's from Dudley, Mastiff. I didn't come off enough uh, Midlandsy. <laughs> Britishisms in the wrestling show, Yes. <laughs> Is there any British vernacular you like to hear on? Just anything William Regal does. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. Oh my God. Before bed, I've been watching a lot of 2000 and 2001 episodes of Raw. Yeah. William Regal is all over those shows. It's brilliant. I never thought I'd be amused at hearing the word molested, but the way William Regal talks about being molested. Is it Jack Gallagher? He's, yeah. He's going to be the new Regal. And some of the things that he says, you know, it just takes me back to to Regal in his prime. I didn't realise as well with Regal. So the angle where like Vince and Trish were having an affair, they tried to make out that it was William Regal and Trish that were dating. And William Regal's affair is like, oh my, you're quite a buxom wench, aren't you? <laughs> so the early goings in this match, Grado prances away from lockups. Tries a hip toss, but it's blocked and he gets slammed. Immediate note on this, the amount of jump cuts here. They change the camera angle so yeah. very much in this show. Yeah, bit dizzy. I'm sure if he could stand all of the British voices and hearing JR's voice again, Kevin Dunn's there like, yes. <laughs> Unbuttoning his trousers. <laughs> We're on for a winner. <laughs> Grado tricks Dave into charging the ropes and like knocks him over the old sort of like fifties comedy spot. Yeah. And hits a bionic elbow. But then he gets yanked off the second rope, which is Dave's cue to keep, take control of the match. Mastiff is twenty three stone according to JR. JR would flip between metric and stones all show. Yeah. After comparing Grado to Big Daddy. Alex Shane notes how Mastiff is a lot like Giant Haystacks because he's big and stuff. There was quite a lot of comparison. There wasn't, let's promote these guys, let's celebrate these guys. It was like, this guy's just like this guy. This mm. guy's just like this guy. This girl's just like this girl. Yeah. Dave controls with a clothesline, clubs and slams. Grado comes back with a flip-flop and fly, some corner splashes and the wheat boot. But he goes up top, Moss distracts the referee so that Shark can throw him off, and Dave follows up with the cannonball in the corner to get the free and to win the World of Sport Championship. So Dave Mastiff is the inaugural, I guess, World of Sport Champion. What did you think of the match, Kyle? Having never experienced any independent live wrestling, I really enjoyed it. I didn't know what to expect. Quite a lot of the crowd already knew who these two guys were, and you could tell who they were they were hunting for and who they wanted to win and who to cheer for. And it came over quite well. Yeah, it was a good opening opening match. There was a lot of nice little manoeuvres that worked, because sometimes in, in opening matches, I mean, we've both seen it before, sometimes it's quite shaky and, you know, they're the, the opening match and... You know, they're supposed to kind of springboard you into the programme and mm. it kind of leaves you a bit flaky. But no, I, I really enjoyed the first the first match. In-ring-wise, it was very sort of basic for me. 
they have this later on as well where they have this thing where the big guys are you know the traditional big guys they're, they're hard to move and they just do simple stuff mm. and it's more effective because they're big lugs and stuff Mastiff got up on the second rope at one time and JR said oh god he looks like a refrigerator on the turnbuckles I love JR <laughs> Yeah, so we see this theme going on in the night where if you just get squished by the big guy, it, it's over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it got the ball rolling pretty well, I thought, and certainly leads into the story all show long, really. Speaking of which, we cut to the backstage. Rachel, no second name. No. Generic but, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> she interviews the general manager of World of Sport, Mr. Beasley. Was it, what was his first name? Was it Max or Marco? Yeah, something like that. Again with M. I thought it might have been Max, but then I thought, hang on, isn't that an actor already? Yeah, Max Beasley. Yes, yes. yes. I probably want that then. He promises the best wrestling, and then Grado arrives, talking about how massive and his two dafty pals cheated. I was cheated! <laughs> Dave then arrives, and he literally rubs Grado's face in the championship. I loved it. And security has to come and separate them all. Mm, what do you think of having another authority figure in wrestling? It seems strange. Do you think it's kind of played out as a trope? Yeah. As authority figures go, the only character that's done sort of something new with that style of role is Dario Cueto in Lucha Underground. He's basically just a dickhead, but they actually accept the reality that he's a promoter. And he still wants the best of the show. If it's all in aid of like a really, really good, exciting match, he'll still be like, you know, okay, grand, let's do it. And favour quote-unquote good guys as well. Yeah. I suppose you you still need your one authoritative figure. Although, do we have to see him? That's the thing. Because like we were saying earlier, they're talking about this championship committee. Yeah. Stick to them. Just like have your Rachel girl say, I'm, "I'm getting word from the committee that you know this is what's going to go down." Yeah. A couple of times there were like little empty in-ring promos from guys talking about don't try and things at home and stuff. Yeah. It's kind of like those Power Rangers public access videos, like, "Hey kids, eat well and stay healthy, and you'll do good." <laughs> So there was one from Grado and there was one from Shah later on in the show. He was like, stay safe. We return from the commercial break and Mr. Beasley's with Rachel again. He's gutted about the cheating. He's worried about the example this might set to some of our younger fight fans. Would somebody please think of the children? (laughs) He name drops a bunch of World of Sport legends for a cheap pop. And says Mastiff will have to defend his title later on tonight. The winner of a new bout, Battle Royale, will be the number one contender. And Grado will be one of the participants. The rest of the participants will be the winners of the upcoming matches. So littered all throughout the show, we get a lot of video clips from the World of Sport legends themselves as talking heads and clips of highlights of the old World of Sport wrestling. This opening one here featured a sizzle reel of famous faces and notably included the Dynamite Kid, Tom Billington, and Fit Finley, a really, really young Fit Finley. Yeah, that was quite strange to see. Oh my God. 
this opening one here, they talk about Big Daddy, who was a British institution, according to Marty Jones. Johnny Sate recounted, if he dropped on you and splashed you, you'd know about it. Of course, the other side of the coin was giant haystacks. One guy, I forgot his name, he hit him with a horseshoe rather than take his big splash. There was quite a few of the the originals in the audience. Yeah, they cut to it after this package. So mm. we see there's Marty Jones, Klondike Kate, Johnny Saint, Rollerball Rocco, and Big Daddy's daughter was in the crowd as well. Match number two is a ladder match to qualify for the Battle Royale. It features Kenny Williams against super styling Sam Bailey, CJ Banks, and from Tasseltown, Delicious Danny. <laughs> if you're listening at home, <laughs> drink the amount of times I mentioned Progress or TNA British Boot Camp here. But I just want to reiterate that, you know, these are all guys that are out there on the UK scene. They're in promotions that you could go to and support. Some of them might be local to you and you can see them more regularly. Yeah. So Kenny Williams, apparently he's only 23, according to commentary. Wow. He's mostly involved in ICW and Preston City Wrestling. He had this like, I can't tell if it was like a skater gimmick. Yeah. But he didn't have any wheels on his skateboard, so... Surfboard. Hoverboard. Who's yeah. <laughs> a boarder. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Bailey, he's a local guy, works a lot for Future Shock and PCW. Alex Shane put him over as a really big underrated talent. CJ Banks, another one that's put over really huge compared to the Dynamite Kid. He's got this pound for pound toughest gimmick. Works a lot in Preston City Wrestling and House of Pain Evolution. And Delicious Danny, the sort of macho man tribute guy. He used to be a footballer apparently. Mm. Another Preston City Wrestling and Future Shock regular. Did you like how JR sort of felt his kinship to her? My God, another guy in a cowboy hat! There's a briefcase hanging up and the first person to climb the ladder and grab it will be in Battle Royale later on. Naturally, with the dangerous nature of this match, the disclaimer flashes up on the bottom of the screen. You know, don't try this at home. They're trained professionals, yada, yada, yada. The early goings, all four guys try to see if they could jump and get the case without getting the ladder. No. <laughs> That's the whole gimmick of the match. You need a ladder. Kenny and Bailey pair off with each other with a nice exchange. Kenny then kicks a ladder into the other two guys' faces, dives onto Bailey on the outside, and then Bailey hits a high jump dive onto all three of his other opponents. He does a headstand corner spot and kind of mistimed his follow-up kick. Yeah. And then he gets walloped with a forearm by Delicious Danny. Kenny then cross-bodies Danny and climbs himself. But, my God, CJ Banks German suplexes him off the ladder. Ouch. Ouch, indeed. Alex Shane on commentary goes, he just, he just killed Kenny. Again, uh, money bags. <laughs> <laughs> Danny then cuts off Banks' attempt to climb and super kicks him. But then he climbs in the corner and sort of gets cornered with a neat uppercut from Banks and they place a ladder in front of him so he can't escape. Really swish, running knee by Banks. Really impressed me in this match. Tornado facebuster by Bailey. When Danny's in the corner, you see he's got a armband on for Chris Travis. Yeah. Just a nice touch. Chris Travis, uh, if you don't know, so I mentioned he was on TNA's British Boot Camp. He was due to go 
enter like the later stages of the show where they go to America, but unfortunately he fell ill through cancer. He actually went through therapy and recovered and actually returned to the ring, but unfortunately his illness still took him and he's very much missed from... It was only last year he passed away. Will Ospreay, when he made his debut in New Japan, he wore sort of the pink colour scheme that Chris would wear to the ring. Nice touch. Yeah. Dangerous Danny. Well, no, it's, it's, it's Delicious Danny. Delicious Danny. Delicious Danny gets dangerous and climbs the ladder <laughs> and dives onto all the other lads. He then gets another ladder out. Shane quips, Fat DIY show just got a whole lot weirder. Okay. It's another ladder. Yeah. You'd expect another tool in a DIY show. If it was like a fur rug or a football or something, maybe it'd be weird. But no, ladders are grand. All four guys climb both ladders simultaneously, and all four actually kind of touch the case at once. But then CJ forearms off Danny and Sam, only to be kicked off the ladder by Kenny, and Kenny grabs a case to win. So Kenny qualifies for Battle Royale. What do you make of this? I actually voted in the poll as my favourite match. Wow, yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this match. I was a bit wary of where it was going to go with it, with it being a ladder match and it being on ITV whether quite a lot of it would be censored with you know with them doing the high risk stuff. But they kept it on the straight and narrow and I, I, I liked it. They didn't stay too far out of you know normality. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. There was quite a lot of good ladder work as well. I didn't mind any of the four guys to win. You know, it was that kind of match where yeah. you thought, oh, okay, yeah, I like this. I like where this is going. Definitely. This was a really nice match for me. Really good mix of lads, different sort of styles of offence, got a great mix of stuff in. Great pace, great flow. Yeah, they just seemed to mesh really well together. We cut to a commercial, and then when we come back, we cut to the announcers, and we see JR's just reading his script. They should not have used that shot. Oh, no, someone should have said, okay, we want you to be on camera here. Yeah. It just looks really nice. Well, there was a few things that we spotted. There was one, I can't think at which point in the show it was, but JR had finished his lines and he'd unplugged everything and he'd got up to leave and they called him back and he didn't look too happy and he had to put everything (laughs) back on. You would think that there would be more concerned with the you know which shots needed to be used Mm -hmm. but again you'd put that on your list if if this gets the call up to be a weekly thing you know get more shots and then you've got a few that you can work with they got enough of us as the audience (laughs) that must be why we did so many cuts like oh we got all this footage we might as well (laughs) load it into the show do you remember that one point the the crab chanting JR gives a wave and he didn't do just like a wave hello it's like yeah. hands in the air he like, just don't care and his phone fell out of his pocket yeah <laughs> I was like someone going to tell Jim his phone's on the floor <laughs> we then get more highlights from the old world of sport covering the Jackie Polo and Mick McManus feud and Mick's cauliflower he is Rollerball Rocco and Johnny Saint and how they sort of put British wrestling on the map Elsewhere in the world. Yeah. Third match tonight is the first all-female wrestling match in World of Sport history. It's Alexis Rose versus Viper. Alexis Rose, uh, last from Cheshire. She was trained by Marty Jones. She's a regular at Future Shock. 
Viper, big lass. JR quips, Big Van Viper, how about that? 209 pounds! I didn't realise she does actually go by Big Van Viper in... I think it's stardom she works in Japan. Japan loves Vader, so it's obviously playing up to that. Yeah. I think the crowd were a little bit taken aback that she was going to be the bad guy in this match. Yeah. My understanding is she's pretty popular in the independent circuit. Does a lot of work in ICW and PCW. If you're in the States, you might have seen her at Shimmer and Shine as well. And Shikara. She's got a snake with her as well. Wrapped around her and big pyrotechnics display. Yeah. She can't stop kissing that snake. Weird. JR quips, she's tougher than a one pound steak. That's why you like JR. <laughs> the one-liners. Yeah. For some people, I think they felt it went a bit far. Like, it sounded like he was a soundboard. Yeah. Like, you know, you just get your phone out. It's one of those apps like, Good God Almighty, stop the merch! I suppose we're used to it though, aren't we? So mm. it kind of filters out that it's it's like a soundboard. Just to hear JR, you know, we're happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is about JR. His quips and stuff are a lot better than like JBL. And like, <laughs> we found on Friday night, Mago. Yeah. They're usually organic to the match, like something happening in the match. That's why he's the best. Yeah. To begin with. Rose gets knocked down, but nips back up, and does a little matrix duck to a clothesline, like Trish Stratus. Another WWE trademark name. Another name check. Yeah. She does a nice little cartwheel out of the corner as well. But then she eats a massive crossbody. It gets a near fall. Viper then controls this match with a cravat, that European headlock. Getting near falls with a reverse elbow and a seated crossbody. She whacks Alexis's face into all the turnbuckles, but the fourth time she tries, it gets blocked. And Alexis comes back with a top rope crossbody for a near fall. Viper just about rolls away from a moonsault attempt by Alexis, and then hits the back senton to get the win. So once again, the bigger opponent squishes the smaller one and yeah. wins. But again, pretty basic here for me, certainly from the heel side of things. Rose had a lot of nice little escapes and things to make the match flow. Yeah, just getting over how deadly size can be, I guess. What did you make of it? If I'm totally honest, it was probably the the match that I wouldn't have mind if it got cut. Mm. Wasn't for me. I mean, I I just felt the match, I don't know, it was quite jagged. But again, you know, with us talking about having David versus Goliath in another match, you know, it kind of felt like well, we've already seen this. In a way... Was it building as we, as we go? You know, we, we'll find out later on, but it's having a David versus Goliath and having another David versus Goliath, are we building to something? Mm-hmm. That's my only storyline sense, is, is this building to something. It was passable. Yeah, it was pretty solid. I definitely recommend Viper's ICW stuff. We see Dave Mastiff is pumping iron backstage and he doesn't appreciate Rachel's line of questioning. So he just drops off to find the manager. There's a bit in that cutscene, I don't know whether you noticed, the camera setup was on Dave and him sat down and Rachel leans down to speak to him. And when she says her first line, she stands up so her head's completely cut off and then you see her come back down <laughs> as though someone's told her, no, actually, you need to... Get you know, so you've got the, 
the shot. Right. And it, it just looked quite awkward of her going back down. <laughs> <laughs> and I noticed that and went, oops. Back from commercial, there's more highlights from the old world of sport. This time talking about the atmosphere of the fights, the deadly old ladies with their bricks in their handbags, and how some of the royal family were fans. Oh, the Duke of Kent watched me and my tights split open. There's lots of talk of people's costumes as well, and Johnny Saint and Big Daddy's daughter show off some of their original gear. That puts us roughly halfway through, so it's time for halftime question time. Favourite British wrestler? Favourite British wrestler ever? Hmm. You see, in hindsight, I've really, really grown to love William Regal. Yeah. When I was a kid watching, I hated William Regal. Like, is this what these Yanks think we're like as British people? You know, you can't do this. You need to learn your manners, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, oh my, brilliant. His facial expressions, the way he works in the ring, it's fantastic. But I think for me, Davy Boy, I'm always going to have a soft spot for the British Bulldog. Yeah. When I got into him, he was in the, like, jean shorts run in WWF. Like, he showed up one time. Insurrection, he won the hardcore title really randomly. Yeah. And he showed up on the next heat, and that was the first time I saw him. And that was the last time I saw him. Yeah. But, yeah, going back and watching his stuff, I mean, all his stuff with Owen Hart and Brett and Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Mine would also have been British Bulldog. Mm-hmm. Every time he came out, the pop that he got, and he would also get an extra pop because of all the British fans in the in the crowd. So it was it was just that special moment of you you would always automatically cheer for this guy because he had the the British flag. He was a hundred percent behind the the fight for the British flag, and you know he was your guy to to cheer. My cousin who got me into wrestling, he was massive on British Bulldog. So that's how I got to learn of the British Bulldog and you know watching some of his fights. And yeah, so, f- so for me it would be the British Bulldog. Hmm. Shame he couldn't cut a promo though. Yeah. Although I kind of like him more that way. Because <laughs> his, his promos are great in a crap way. It's like so always like deer in the headlights, talk really, really fast, flexing. He was like, World Wrestling Federation tight on the line, in your house. But ah, I'm coming for you, because I'm a bulldog! And then the guy behind the camera's going, we've got 30 seconds left. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm bizarre! <laughs> the fourth match of the evening is tag team action. The Coffee Brothers, Mark and Joe, taking on Ashton Smith and Rampage. And both of the winning team will qualify for the Battle Royale. Yeah, the Coffee Brothers, again, linked mostly with ICW. Joe does a lot of work in progress as well. Usually he comes to the ring and he's got this war machine mask. So everyone sings along to Iron Man. I don't know which way around it is, whether he thinks he's in an Iron Man mask or the crowd thinks he's in an Iron Man mask. No one's heart, have the heart to say. <laughs> no, it's, it's the other one. Yeah. I suppose War Machine by ACDC is not quite as easy to... No, I don't think you could get the tune. The the crowd could mix that up. (laughs) Rampage is another stalwart of the English scene. He's about everywhere. He's currently the Atlas champion in progress, which is their sort of like super heavyweight division. You have to be over £210 to compete in it. 
again, another lad from British Boot Camp Season 2. And he was actually in WWE Developmental at one point. And he got used as like an enhancement talent on WWE CW. Right. I encourage anyone listening to go out and find a picture of him when he was in the WWE. Because he's got so little body hair compared to nowadays. <laughs> it's really weird. Ashton Smith is uh, another regular of Future Shock and PCW. And he was in the previous iteration of Progress's Natural Progression Tournament. The current one going on at the minute is to crown a women's champion. Yeah. Ashton and Rampage actually got a pretty good reaction from the crowd. Fantastic reaction. Yeah. But they're the heels in this match. So at some point... They turn on them when they spot that Ashton kind of looks like Rampage's son. <laughs> and the banter is off the chart on this one. So there's lots of chance of Ashton's brought his dad, Rampage Jr. and Daddy's boy. Before this kicked off, JR said there was a 15 minute time limit here. Yeah, you don't often hear that anymore. No, and they didn't announce it with... No. The announcement of the match either. No reference to any time limit in any of the other matches. To kick things off, Ashton slaps Mark to denote that, yeah, Ashton and Rampage are the bad guys here. Only to eat a drop kick. The Coffees actually get to isolate Ashton for a little bit with a double arm ringer chop. Really cool airplane spin butterfly suplex by Joe and a bridging back suplex by Mark. A jawbreaker by Ashton allows Rampage to clothesline Mark while he's on the apron behind the referee's back. There's lots of cheating behind the referee's back here. Yeah. Rampage comes in with a back suplex of his own, a really stiff clothesline. Really, really stiff, really, really good. JR calls Rampage a slobberknocker of a man. And then late equips Rampage Brown, a man of renown. <laughs> <laughs> TV Bob! <laughs> Poetry Corner. It was a bit earlier on when the coffees were on offence. He's like, that's a strong coffee. <laughs> no decaf right there. Mark cradled out of a suplex attempt for two. He's still getting isolated and beat down by the bad guys. Good tag team psychology here. The turnbuckle got exposed at one point, And when Mark made a dive for a tag, Rampage caught him and rammed him back first right into it. But at one point, Ashton gets cocky and that allows Mark to score a jumping front kick and we get tags on both sides. Joe runs wild with headbutts and uppercuts and a double jump twisting crossbody for a near fall. We then get a nice chain wrestling sequence out of suplex attempts that eventually sees Joe score a suplex. But then Ashton distracts Joe, allowing Rampage to hit a wicked spine buster. Rampage holds Joe up for Ashton Smith. And Ashton's yakking away at him. We all know what's coming here. Yeah. Joe evades the attack. Ashton super kicks Rampage by accident. Then discus forearm by Mark is followed up quickly by a discus lariat by Joe. And Ashton eats the pin. So your winners are the Coffee Brothers. Both go on to the Battle Royale later on. I'm going to see... Oh, I can't do it now. <laughs> oh. oh, it's gone. <laughs> what were your impressions on the match, Kyle? Um, I really enjoyed the match. The heat was fantastic. The crowd were brilliant. I don't feel like it came over as much on the, the TV, though, watching it back. 
I'm guessing with with edits and cuts. But yeah, being there live, it was immense. The crowd was so loud and really got into the match. And I liked the match. I thought it was really good. I can't think which coffee it was who did the jump on the turnbuckle. That was Joe. That was amazing. Mm. But watching it back, you know, even though I expected what was going to happen, when he did it, I still winced a bit. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I loved the match. I thought it was good. I mean, that was a big spot we got used in the promo material as well. Mm. There's lots of stills of that and stuff. Yeah, what you're saying about the crowd, this, for me, was the point where it kind of turned from just, okay, cheer who you like, boo who you don't like, to, you know, actually imprinting your own sort of identity and like the British character of yeah. crowd reactions onto a match. It was really, really good. And like you were saying about how, it, yeah, I think the edit didn't quite make it come across quite as unique as, as it actually was live. Yeah. There's a few matches coming up where it's like that. They had us record just generic cheering and booing and positive and negative responses to fill things out with. Because yeah. there was instances like so Grado comes out to Like a Prayer by Madonna in all his typical independent dates. And some people are singing along to it, but that didn't make the show because they don't want to pay Madonna. As for the match itself, yeah, really, really good. It was nice for once how you got to see both teams try to sort of cut off the other man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't usually get that. It's usually just the good guys wrestle well and then one of them gets isolated and, you know. Yeah really really work well together Rampage and Joe in particular their stretch with the hot tag really good stuff we see Rachel backstage who comes across Moss and Shah standing guard at the general manager's door Johnny Moss again where do you think you're going Flower? <laughs> loved it big burly man saying that kind of <laughs> sentence is great she has none of their rubbish barges right past them <laughs> you're the most ineffectual bodyguards in the world we see Dave is holding Mr Beasley by his tie not even like all that menacingly he's just like nice tie mate you know? I have your tie you yeah. will not move <laughs> peanut <laughs> the general manager stands his ground as well he reiterates that Dave's defending his title again and he says that Shaw Moss and a special guest will also be involved in the Battle Royale later on tonight. The box. The box. <laughs> he then tells the heels to sling their hook. You're making the place look untidy. I'm sure he's, he's pinched that from, from Regal. <laughs> <laughs> if it were Regal, just like, go on now, bugger off, bugger off. <laughs> it's one of my favourite William Regal moments when he tells Kamala to bugger off at WrestleMania. <laughs> What the bloody hell are you doing? <laughs> no, 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 Her Majesty, please. Falcon, I'm bugger off you, bugger off you. Funny. Match number five. It's the Mexican sensation, El Ligero, against Liverpool's number one, Zach Gibson. Ligero is another big stalwart of the independent scene. He works everywhere and anywhere he can. One of the hardest working men on the UK scene. He's been a pro for 14 years and he's the reason we got our tickets. Mm. So thank you. Zach Gibson, one of the really hottest prospects in British wrestling right now for me. The best heel on the circuit. 
the way the crowd react to him is just off the chart. He works loads of places, but Future Shock and Progress in particular, he's Future Shock's champion at the minute, I think. Two things I didn't realise about him. One, he's only 26. He's younger than us. Yeah, he's younger than us, yeah. So that makes him even more like John Joe yeah. Shelby than I thought. He's from Liverpool, he's a Liverpool fan, actually. And his shirt on the scene is this like parody of Liverpool's like mid-noughties kit. So instead of the Carlsberg logo, it's Gibson and stuff. Yeah. And he comes out to You'll Never Walk Alone and gets a lot of heat for that. The other thing is he's a graduate from Liverpool John Moore's University in accounting and finance. Hmm. It's one of those you wouldn't put the look and accounting and finance together, would you? No. That's standing in good stead. The business. Well, yeah, the, the wrestling business in general. Yeah, the yeah. other side of the curtain, yeah, mm. definitely. Shane and JR put over his study of the world of sports style, his specialism in submissions, and his finishing hole, the Shankly Gate. Speak of the devil, he immediately tries it at the very early goings of this match, but Ligero has it scouted, so that leads to a really, really sweet set of counter-wrestling and a standoff. And the don't copy this, these guys are professionals disclaimer comes up again. Yeah. We then get some great exchanges running the ropes, which sees Ligero take control with a drop kick square in the head, a second rope Hurricane Rana, and a standing moonsault. Ligero is a luchador, so he's a masked man. So, guess who Alex Shane compares him to, Kyle? Go on. The masked guy from the original world of sport, Kendo Nagasaki. Yeah. Point out earlier as well. So Viper's a big lass. Yeah. Combat Kate was a big lass. Yeah. Guess what Alex Shane <laughs> says about, about Viper? There's a running theme here. Mm. Ligero lures Gibson outside, fakes a dive, and tries a hurricane rana from the apron, but Zach catches him and swings him into the announce table. The camera actually cut away from the impact of this. Yeah. It reminded me of watching Heat and they do what happened on Raw. It cuts out any of the, the, the mean stuff. Absolutely. Chris Benoit and Stone Cold had a match on SmackDown once and like post-match, Austin just walloped him with a chair over and over again. And every time there was a chair shot, it's like, cut to the crowd! <laughs> chair shot, cut to the crowd! <laughs> the result of this is Ligero's arm is hurt. I was trying to remember which direction he got swung into the table because he sells his left arm but I was wondering if maybe he hit the table with his right shoulder. I'm sure it was his right shoulder. Yeah, it might have been that then. Yeah. JR is furious about this and is admonishing Zach to get back in the ring. No one sells indignation like Jim Ross. Yeah, so Zach focuses in on the injured arm. Alex Shane tells us that Zach was in a tournament in honour of the British Bulldog and JR calls Davy Boy the biggest star to come for British wrestling. Hmm. Hmm. Something is brewing. Yeah, I wonder why you mentioned that. Ligero does well to fight off a stalling suplex, only for Gibson to brilliantly chain wrestle out of it into a hammerlock armbreaker. The crowd, again, for this match were really, really great. Lots and lots of support for Ligero, lots of Olay chants. Loads of chance taunting Zach Gibson as well. Stand up if you hate Gibson. Yeah, that then was... 
That was good. Yeah. Then when it kind of loses steam, it's like, sit down <laughs> if you hate Gibson. <laughs> and, of course, if you all hate Gibson, clap your hands. If you all hate Gibson, clap your hands. It's really, really good at progress because it's a lot less family-friendly. So yeah. there's a lot of scouse stereotype things. Yeah. So like, sometimes he'll complain to the referee and they're like, hey, ref, sort that! And all the crowd be like, hey, 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 hey! <laughs> the other popular one is, where's my car stereo? Where's my car stereo? Stuff like that would only work in the independence. Not just because they might censor it on TV, but that atmosphere would only work. That's cool. I think some people felt it was a shame that it was in a studio environment rather than like an old hall, like the old world of sport. Yeah. Kind of like we're getting for the UK tournament from WWE, actually. Yeah. That's an Empress Ballroom. That's a beautiful looking building. I'm so excited. I can't wait for that, yeah. Get a big hanging arm ringer into a throw by Zach, who blows a kiss at the audience, ironically. Ligero fights back with a big kick and a topic on Hilo, which draws sea chance. He then hits a great wheelbarrow facebuster for a near fall, but his springboard DDT gets blocked and Gibson hauls him up for a really cool twisting suplex for another near fall. Ligero hurts his hand again, trying to flip back inside the ring, but then recovers with a neat series of strikes. He then tries the wheelbarrow thing again, but Zach counters it into the Shankly Gate. And there's a big struggle to get to the ropes, which Ligero uses to try and get a pinning combination, and then quickly follow up with the Springboard DDT to get the win. So Ligero is the final man to qualify for the Battle Royale. Yeah, what did you think of this? Again, the first thing was the crowd was great. From the tag team match and this, the crowd was really starting to warm up. I liked the match. I thought El Ligero had some really nice spots in it. And Gibson, I'd never seen Gibson before, and he can hold his own. And in previous episodes, we we've spoke about wrestlers in the ring of you know who controls what, and you could kind of tell Gibson was the guy that controlled the match, with El Ligero putting his spots in where where it was needed. And yeah, it was a good good match. You mentioned our poll that we'll get to at the end as well. Yeah. I voted for this. This was a stellar match for me. These two had great chemistry with each other. They're actually stablemates in progress. They're part of this big stable called The Origin, a set of guys that were there at the very first shows from the promotion and things like that. So, yeah, they obviously know each other very well. Gibson is great with his psychology and, like you say, controlling the match. And, yeah, both men's offense was really, really great. Yeah. Really, really good stuff. If you like this match, definitely go out and try and find these lads alive because they'll be working loads of places. So, with the field set, Rachel interviews, well, most of the field for the Battle Royal backstage. The Coffee Brothers say, let's have the best brother win. Ligero rushes back and can't say anything because he's Mexican. He's built from Leeds, though. I noticed that on his Twitter account. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kayfabe, Kyle, kayfabe. She asks Shah and Moss about the mystery man, and Shah is great here. He just goes, Who cares, lad? <laughs> Loved it. Moss says he'll just get thrown over the top like the rest of them. It's up next, our sixth match of the evening. It's that number one contender's battle royal. 
with Grado, Shah Samuels, Johnny Moss, the Coffee Brothers, Kenny Williams, Alagero, and a mystery opponent. <laughs> the mystery guy's not at the start of the match. No. Why? Yeah. That's a totally unfair advantage. And all of these lads have already wrestled to get into this match as well. Yeah. So, I thought that was a bit off. That was, that was something that we brought up when we were there on the night as well. Mm. Yeah. Naturally, there's a big brawl to start. The coffees go after Grado. Shah and Ligero pair up. And Johnny Moss and Kenny pair up. Moss is great just tossing Kenny around. Before Gorilla pressing him over the top rope to eliminate him. The crowd then chant, you killed Kenny. Shah and Moss then double team to eliminate Ligero as well. Which kind of made sense because he was in one of the harder hitting matches and he was the one who wrestled most recently. So yeah. it made sense for him to go out. And Kenny as well, to be fair, because he was in the ladder match to get in. You know, even though that was two, three matches previous, it's a ladder match. So yes. Yeah. You know, it is pretty intense. Yeah, you expect it to be more exhausting. Yeah. yeah. The bad guys then square off with the coffees and Grado's just knackered in the corner from being beaten up by the coffees. Johnny Moss's chops, oh my, they're so loud. Yeah. Brilliant. The coffees get control with uppercuts and then they kind of bump into each other back to back and tease squaring off with each other. That just distracts them and Shah and Moss toss them both over the top rope. So Grado's left alone with the bad guys. But then Rule Britannia plays. And oh my god, it's Davy Boy Smith Jr. who's entered the match as the mystery opponent. This was a total surprise. Yeah, it was. We were thinking about who could be the mystery opponent mm. and not once did this name come up <laughs> no I, I wouldn't have, no I wouldn't have thought this had happened in a million years I really really love Davies post WWE work he went to New Japan and Pro Wrestling Noah mostly works in a tag team with Lance Archer as the Killer Elite Squad part of Minoru Suzuki's stable he just kicked ass and really really chuffed with the way things have turned out for him did you spot as well, when Bulldog comes out, Joe Coffee is still knackered on the ramp selling it. And then he spots Bulldog and has this great look on his face like, oh, you? Wow. <laughs> Just as Davey's throwing his flag to the crowd. It's like a bright light. <laughs> so naturally, Davey comes in, kicks a bunch of ass. Johnny Moss does this like, upside down bump into the turnbuckles. It's really cool. The crowd chant, Grado's sleeping. As it's shown on TV, you see him like mugging to the camera saying like, oh my God, I can't believe I saw Bulldog. So, you know, he, he's, he's just watching in awe and stuff yeah. rather than like a Roman Reigns have a kip sell job. I suppose in these type of matches, it's quite hard to kind of work out where you should be at a certain point. Any over the top rope battle royal, Royal Rumble, you know, those type of matches... It's kind of like, at what point do I still sell that I've got to be on, you know, on the ground? At what point do I, do I get up before the crowd actually lose interest? So it's just that striking that balance, isn't it? Yeah. Davy Boy looked really, really great here. Yeah. He superplexes Shah Samuels, eats some chops by Johnny, but then, why would you try and suplex the British Bulldog? Uh-uh. Not happening. I assume he says. <laughs> <laughs> so naturally, Bulldog counters with his own stalling suplex, which is great. Especially considering he did it into the biggest man in the match as well. 
He then hits a butterfly suplex on Shah and the front power slam to Johnny Moss and counts his own pinfall just to make a point. Like, yeah, I'd have had you there. Commentary says, it's like, oh, it's, it's instinct. He's, he's making a mistake here. It's like, no, he knows what he's doing. He's counting his own pinfall. Yeah. Saying, yeah, I've, I've got you. But when he tries to throw Moss over the top rope, Moss hangs on and tries to suplex him outside. And that allows Shah to sneak up from behind Bulldog and throw him out. Much to the dismay of the crowd. So, once again, Grado is left alone with the bad guys. He starts to brawl, but eventually the numbers catch up to him. Shah wants to toss him out right away, but Moss is like, no, no, let's punish him. It backfires. Grado double clotheslines them both. RKO to Shah Samuels, who he eliminates. And then he low bridges Johnny Moss to eliminate him as well. So... As you'd probably expect, given the way the show started, Grado is the winner of a battle royale, and he'll go on to face Dave Mastiff for the title. But wait, after the bell's rung, Shah Samuels gets in and chop blocks Grado's knee away from him whilst he's celebrating. The British Bulldog Jr. returns to make the save, throwing the heels out, and Shah Samuels took a really ugly landing on this one here. Yeah. His feet get caught in the ropes. It was really concerned for him because... It's thrown out right in front of us. Mm. Paramedics come out to check on Grado when they should be checking Char, really. <laughs> yeah, the main event is in doubt now. What were your impressions of this match? Your usual over-the-top kind of format. A few nice little spots. There were parts that you, you could tell people were waiting for their part, but I guess you, you're always going to get that sort of thing. Which you could just tell on the, on the TV, you know, where people were looking and whatnot. Yeah, overall, the, the match was really good. Huge pop for David Boy. We did not expect that at all. Oh. Yeah, it, it was what I expected. And I kind of wanted David Boy to win as soon as he came out. Yeah. But again, we got the, the expected winner. Yeah, as Battle Royals go, this was quite nice, really. This is essentially just a showcase for Moss and Samuels and Bulldog. And yeah, it worked really well in, in terms of that. And the post-match angle was quite nice too. Made a lot of sense. So we return for the commercial break. And JR points out, we've come full circle. Grado and Mastiff are going to fight for the title again. But Alex Shane wonders if Grado will be able to compete because of his injury. So we're due... As our main event, our second World of Sport Championship match of the evening, Dave Mastiff defending against Grado, but it's in doubt because of Grado's injury. Do you remember what was going on with the ring at this point? Yeah, there was a bobble in the ring, wasn't mm. there? And that guy went under, and he was trying to sort it out, and the the compare, or whatever you, you call him, he, he nearly went under to help him. <laughs> <laughs> I think the boards came unstuck. Or, or something like that, and they just couldn't get them right. Yeah, that, that took quite a while. Yeah, so, some something made the canvas a bit uneven. They still couldn't quite get it right for what follows, and you actually saw them correct it mid-match as well. Yeah, Massive comes out without his ridiculous gear, thankfully, and his with his cronies. But the referee ejects them immediately. With a great <laughs> gesture. I love it. The ref just like wind it up. And... Massive grabs a microphone to gloat. 
he says he's the best in world of sport history and he does a really great job of playing up to what chance he gets yeah. like Grado you're a loser what you're pathetic and then he speeds up really, really fast and they can't go what yeah Mastiff is the king of the banter on the scene at the minute you've always got to be wary with your promos haven't you because it, if you do end up slowing down you, the what chance will just come straight in there mm. so you, it, it's been clever enough to try and then speed your promo up so you don't have the, the what gaps it, it was a good promo when he came out Grado does come out to answer the challenge but the paramedics are trying to hold him back and he's like no no I want to fight and Dave uses this to his advantage and comes out and meets him on the ramp, chop blocks his leg away again and slams him on the ramp. Now, I was wondering why they didn't cut away from that like they did for Ligero incident. Yeah, because that had much more impact mm. than the table shot or, or the, the landing. Yeah, strange one. Yeah, you think swung into a wooden table or slammed on an LCD screen. Mm. Alex Shane quips, there's more chance of me finding hummus and rice cakes in the fridge of Dave Mastiff than Grado has of winning this. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> Dave drags him back to the ring, attacks for the leg, and we see Rachel and Mr. Beasley have joined the audience and they're looking worried. Mastiff splashes Grado's leg from the top of the stairs to the outside and tells him, why don't you just quit? I don't respect you. He cuts off a comeback attempt by Grado and hooks him in the Tree of Woe and like wrenches the leg. I've never really seen the Tree of Woe used as like a submission before. No. It's just like, oh, you're going nowhere. Like, it's a, a clever uh, adaptation of it. Mm. Once the referee unhooks him, he tries to like bait Grado to get up, but when he charges into the corner, Grado ducks his attack and Mastiff hits the ring post. He then tries a desperation clothesline, but Grado ducks and hits the RKO. And he gets the free count and wins the World of Sport Championship. Lots of pyro greet the celebrations. Yeah, nice feel-good moment to end the show. Grado is our new World of Sport Champion. What do you think to this? Well, this is where it was building. I didn't want to say anything you know, without ruining anything earlier on in the podcast. Mm. But when we were saying about the David and Goliath and the bigger wrestler always winning, it kind of culminated in in this last match of finally we have our, our winner and David's overcome Goliath and I think that that was the kind of the, the thread throughout the whole of of the world of sport I didn't enjoy the match as much as the first the first match but I don't know whether that was just the sell of the injury which kind of hampered it a little bit it was still an okay match it still told its story I was impressed with Dave Mastiff. For for a guy his size, does quite a lot of stuff that he can do. But yeah, yeah, it was good. I actually prefer this a little bit to the opening match, really. It's not much of a wrestling match, but it's more of an angle storyline. And that just carries over really, really well for me. Mm. Yeah, it's not quite the even back and forth that they had earlier on, but still, the storyline was made sense made everyone happy in the audience and yeah nice way to close things off I think yeah so that wraps everything up what were your impressions in general then Kyle what was your favourite match of the night who really stood out for you in terms of performers favourite match of the night was the ladder match 
just because I felt that all four guys went for it and like I said there was nice spots around the match yeah standout guy I quite like the coffees I know that they're a tag team but the different spots that they had solo worked really nice yeah. and also in the battle royal the little tease of will they fight each other was was really nice mm-hmm. and then just to sum up the show I hope that this is a, a platform for them to bring World of Sport back because I think it deserves it from watching it live it was fantastic TV it was good but I, I think that the live atmosphere made it and like we'd said with the edit and the cuts there was some stuff that we we enjoyed when we were there that didn't right, really come across on, on TV but I, I do think that it should get its weekly weekly show yeah this is a really nice fun show for two hours just sort of breezed by really it had a decent flow to it. Some pretty nice wrestling. I was a bit worried that it would be like sort of dumbed down to the 70s level again and they wouldn't kind of like evolve with the way the scene really is. Yeah. And especially with the way the opening match was, I sort of thought, oh, are we going to be in trouble here? But no, they mixed it up with great mix of styles. Ovalaz did really well. My favourite match was Ligero versus Gibson. Best wrestled match. That's the kind of style of British wrestling I like, the, the, the technical elements and the, the mix of, you know, the more modern, high-flying influences. Yeah. Yeah, Zach Gibson and El Ligero are definitely up there in terms of the, the biggest performers on this evening. Uh, the coffees, like you say, the tag match was really, really great stuff as well. And the ladder match, again, brilliant. From a production standpoint, yeah, the cuts and the editing definitely needs a lot of work there were a lot of instances where people would be going for the pin and they'd still cut away to the crowd like there were times where this was the finish of the match and because we'd seen it and knew well this is the end of the match you should focus on them counting the pinfall why are you going to the audience mugging you know yeah so that was distracting like I watched this with my mum and when the first match was over I was like how did he beat him because he didn't answer the free count yeah wasn't quite so clear with the editing. You know? yeah. So yeah, that would need a great deal of work. But in general, I was really pleased with it and I hope this is the start of something. In terms of ratings, it got 1.25 million viewers, which isn't fantastic really, but it was New Year's Eve. Mm. You know, a lot of people were out and about. If you look at Ninja Warrior, which was the show that followed on, that got 2.1 million viewers and that's down a good million or million and a half from what it would usually do on our regular Saturday as well. So, yeah, I don't think you can really... Judge it. Yeah, yeah, in terms of a rating. I think if they were worried about ratings and stuff in terms of moving this forward as a platform, they wouldn't have put it on like the festive schedule where things can be erratic. Yeah. Yeah, as we mentioned, we ran a quick poll ask you our followers what you felt was the best match of the night it's quite hard because you can't have more than four choices on the Twitter poll the winner of our poll was El Ligero versus Zach Gibson with 46% then the ladder match got 22% the battle royale got 9% and the writings made 23% not everyone wrote in what their other favourite match was but most people who did said the tag match yeah. And the women's match got a little bit of love as well. 
yeah, I hope this is the start of something. Maybe not a weekly show, but at least like a quarterly thing. Yeah. You, know, you can either go two weeks. You could go like one hour a week or two hours every special occasion. Yeah. Something like that. It was interesting to me, ITV have just got into the pay-per-view business as well now. That's yeah. the ITV box office thing. So I did wonder whether they were intending to have a weekly World of Sport show and then maybe try and tempt someone to a, a World of Sport pay-per-view. Story-wise, I think they would have to have a shorter amount of time between shows for people to, to follow because with it being on ITV, you are plugging it to the general public and not just a wrestling audience so it needs to make sense storytelling wise so let's say new year's eve was the the first show if you're then not going to put the next show on till say end of april there still needs to be that linear line you know of storytelling whereas if you have it say once a month or once a week there's more storytelling value there and you, you can watch it every week and you can like, right, this is building, this is, you know, all these things are happening. So it, it's which way they want to go. If they still feel that this might be a little bit of a niche rather than a, a general thing, or maybe they'd move it to ITV4 or something and then have, like, some festive specials on ITV stuff. Yeah. But, I don't know, who knows? I, I was dreading going on Twitter after this aired, but lots of really, really good, positive feel good response really from people lots of clips of kids being introduced to new people yeah it's good it's really nice and we also got a follow from World of Sport as well we did yeah yeah yeah. thank you very much that'll wrap everything up for this episode remember you can follow us on Twitter at TNW Podcast we're also on Facebook you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and Probably the easiest way to follow our podcast is to go to our SoundCloud page, search for TNW Podcast. You'll see a big playlist of all our episodes so far, so you can catch up right from the very beginning. There'll be a blog edition of this podcast coming up at some point in the near future, so check ayatollahrockandroller.blogspot.com and yeah, we do one for the WCW one as well. So look out for that soon. Next time! On the broken skin, not the broken skin. <laughs> Next time on the podcast, we'll be going through our favourite things of 2016. So, we'll be with you shortly then. It's a goodbye from Kyle. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me. I'll catch you down the road. <laughs> <laughs>